Hey, it's Jake, and welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise him. Uh, so Elizabeth Brennan is about to arrive, and she and I are going to talk with you about <laughs> um, selling Kabul at Red Stitch Actors Theatre and Burn It by Lydia Coulson. Um, so yeah, speak to you in just a second with Elizabeth Brennan. Elizabeth Brennan. Hello, Jake Stewart. Uh, hi, meet Moop. Good. <laughs> feeble, feeble. Feeble, feeble. We just realised we both like the word feeble. It's a good word. It's a great word. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, how, how are you going? How's the crucible going? The how crucible. are you feeling? How's the crucible going? Uh, still feels like pretty uh, undercooked. <laughs> yeah? Because <laughs> when do you open? You've already told me this. Late, late June? Well, it's actually, it's the 13th of June, so oh. it's quite... Oh, my birthday. Really? Yeah. Oh, happy <laughs> sad witch hunt birthday! Thank day. you. <laughs> um, yeah, my birthday's on the eighth of June. Yeah, and I was just uh, as I was traveling here, I was thinking about my birthday and what I wanted to do something. Should we do something together? That sounds like fun. Yeah. Yeah. What? Because what do you do? You have strong feelings about your birthday? Um, only that I don't love it. I don't love uh being reminded of of aging. Of aging. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it just makes me panic and feel like I haven't achieved enough in the years since the last time the birthday happened. Okay. I don't know if you get that sense. From uh, you. No, just from time passing and birthdays being a reminder of that. Yeah. <laughs> and being like a marker of some kind. Um, but every time I'm like, oh, am I going to do something? Am I going to do something? No, I'm not. Oh, maybe I will. Oh, and then I leave it to the last minute. And then I often go, well, you know what? Fuck it. I'll do something. And then nobody can come because I've left it too late. <laughs> Wait, so you try to instigate something quite substantial? You're like, you know what? I'll just like <laughs> throw a party for 40 pals. It's like roller skating, everyone. Um, yeah, yeah. This is, but every time I do actually celebrate it, is nice. Like, I do like it. But but I'm racked with panic that nobody's going to show up before Oh, of course. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's not fun until it actually, I get there, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, I do. The people that I like, I like them. Oh, that's nice. That's always such a nice revelation. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and when they all get along together, it warms my cockles. <laughs> Oh, that's really sweet that you have that, yeah, those sorts of memories of that. I will just flag that, like, I, I very much get, as I think a lot of people do, that fear that no one will turn up to your birthday party. Mm-hmm. And I would say, that's ridiculous. But then, James famously had, he threw a birthday party and no one came. Oh my gosh. When he was, like, a fair bit younger, oh, he had no. one. And he would, he's fine with me telling this story, because he'll tell anyone. <laughs> because, as he also confesses to, he loves the pity that it elicits oh. from people. Oh. <laughs> wow. A lot Super of pity sad. is welling up in my heart right now, James. Yeah, isn't it sad to think yeah. of him? I think because that's like a little James Hardy. Little James Hardy, like, he's 21st or he's 20th or something and yeah no one literally nobody came to his birthday party oh just a really bad date like really poorly no I think it was no it wasn't like a last minute let's go roller skating it was like a yeah no anyway (laughs) but but no you should come to his birthday this year that, no, I, don't, I, no, that's the trick. That's the trap you fall into. He tells this it's story. It's, it works on everybody. He pulls this trick every time he throws anything. He's like, but this one time, this one thing happened, so you have to come. Oh. Yeah, no, or you're kicking me in the teenage heart. So, <laughs> no, no, no. Well, what about, um, how do you feel about your birthday? Uh, yeah, I, I get the thing of it being like a, yeah, a, a, a temporal landmark that is like, well, you still seem pretty similar to last time, mm. and last time you sucked, so, <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Still terrible. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah no, I think... <laughs> 
a lot, a lot of stuff that leaps out at me in terms of even thinking about my birthday when nowhere near it. I'm like, me being born involved very little effort on my part, so I don't know why I get to celebrate. Um, I don't think I accomplished enough to celebrate this every year. Well, isn't it us celebrating you, though? We're celebrating the fact that you're here on this earth. Yeah, so, oh, see, when you frame it like that, I'm less likely to want to do anything about it. It's like, oh my god, I feel like it should be a National Day of Apology. No. <laughs> um, um, yeah, yeah. No. Well, maybe I should throw you a party and you can throw me a party or something. Oh, that's really sweet. Mm. Yeah. 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 What, would you, what kind of party would you throw me? But would I throw you? Mm. Oh, oh my god, you deserve the world. What would I do? <laughs> I don't know. I think, oh, it'd be great if we could do some sort of like... It'd have to be like a little bit Elizabethan, not for the wordplay, but for like, you know, the interests that you both have. <laughs> but, um, oh my. Except, oh, but calling it something like an Elizabethan festival or something would be great oh, because of the cool. wordplay it's of it. Oh, it's like a Saturnalia or something. Yeah. Actually, that's way off, isn't that? That's like ancient Rome. Which one's, is that, the, is that Saturnalia? That's... I feel like maybe they celebrated Saturnalia in the Elizabethan times, is that right? Yeah, I, 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 I always find it difficult to like connect the dots between those two histories and to see how much like residually exists mm, in the latter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, me too. I'm not sure. But I'm, I'm just I'm a bit too unfamiliar with which one's the Saturnalia. Saturnalia is the one that hipsters celebrate when they don't want to talk about Christmas. Oh, and it happens around <laughs> the same time as Christmas? I think so, yeah. Okay. And that's not one of the pagan ones. It's, it's, it's I think it is pagan, isn't it? It, it is. is. I, I, well, look, I went to a Saturnalia party this one time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretending not to know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> um, I wore a sheet, as was the dress code. And the dress code was sheet? Well, you know, Roman. Uh, oh, like togas? <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> they wore sheets. They right? did. They did. <laughs> Famously ripped them off their beds. Yeah. And went out to, yeah, they had to, go to out. the local. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, so there was a sheet in involved I had a little uh, laurel laurel wreath on my head mm-hmm. um, and what I remember was that we played pin pin the baby on the enormous giant that was eating it okay because <clears throat> I think I think god this is embarrassing I really don't know what I'm talking about here but <laughs> I think there was is Saturn a god right Saturn that's why the I name assumed it god, was ancient Rome or something and one of the gods um, ate their child Okay. I think Saturn ate his child or some such thing. Okay. Okay. Yes. And we're celebrating mm. that? Um, I, well, now you say it, maybe we oughtn't to. <laughs> maybe the baby was evil. <laughs> I'm going to do so much research on this as soon as this is over. Yeah, I'm going to go, no, our next conversation, we're going to be scholars. All, <laughs> I had some kind of a punch that night, <laughs> and all I remember is pinning the baby on the, the giant that was trying to eat it. Did you win? I think I did, actually. Oh, I well did done. win. Oh. I won a crown. Oh, great. Yeah. Go with your laurel. <laughs> yes. Popped it on top. No That's one, a well-adorned None the wiser. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. No, so I suppose, yeah, if I had to throw something, yeah, I'd get a really solid guest list, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, yeah. And it'd be, I, there'd be a theatrical element to it. Like, I think we'd need to have some performances. Mm-hmm. And I think it'd just, be, it'd be a lot about, like, energy. Like, I think it'd be a lot about, like, the, 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 for some reason I want it to be outside, you know? I would like to be outside. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And somehow... But like somehow not in winter when my birthday is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's shitty, isn't it? Winter birthdays. It is shitty, but I feel like that hardened us a bit. And I think mm. that's a good thing. It's probably true. You can't have everything you want. And we learned that very early. We did. Mm. <laughs> we came out shivering. Yeah. 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 And, uh, <laughs> and we've been cold ever since. <laughs> yeah. Um, mm, yeah. Yes. No, I think that'd be, that'd be my instinctive answer to your question of mm-hmm. how to celebrate your birth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder if we could do a combined birthday, which is sort of like Elizabethan 
Elizabethan themed for me, but it's kind of and Juliet themed for you. Juliet themed. Like and Juliet, the musical Uh, that you love and adore. (laughs) Um, Oh, thank you. Why? Because Rob Mills would be there? Well, maybe Rob Mills might be there. (laughs) If I could pull a few strings. Oh, my God. I do know someone who dated him for a bit. (laughs) These people that keep popping up in my life that are like, oh, I'm one person removed from Rob Mills. It's like, cunt, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> what us in contact? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I, 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 what do you think about this talk he's going to give? Are you going to go? Oh my god! Yes. Oh my god! Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I'm, I almost felt reluctant to tell anybody, including you, sweet, sweet podcast listeners, <laughs> about the fact that Rob Mills is doing like a like a book reading about his book. Mm-hmm. But of course, I own, and of course, mm-hmm. I love, and of course, I've told you all too much about you, Elizabeth included. <laughs> um, yeah, and he's doing this talk in July. Possibly, yeah, yes. I've already bought a ticket to it, but it's very—it's close to where my family home is. And oh shit! I yeah. often get information from the local library. And thank you for letting <laughs> me know about it. Yeah. Oh my god. Yes. No. So I've already bought my ticket. So if anyone else right. is going to be there, let me know and we can sit together because I don't know who to bring to this thing. Are you going to come? Do you care you enough? Know what? I probably will come. Like, yeah. I'll come if you're going. Oh my god. Of course. And I'm it, going. you know, I yes, I will. We'll organize this afterwards. Maybe I can come. I'd like to. Oh my god. Please do. It'd be so lovely. I'm going to take my book, like his book, and I'm going to get him to sign it. Hopefully, <laughs> and then for, like I don't know. I, I, I love this. Is very... this how we celebrate our birthday? Oh my god. <laughs> it feels imbalanced. I feel like, no, we need to find someone that matters as much to you as Rob does to me. Yeah. Is there okay. someone William for you like McKinnis. that? William McInnes. That's fine. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're having a sea change conversation. Right. <laughs> so William McInnes being the most what, handsome man you'd ever seen when oh, he came on sea change. that was maybe hyperbolic of me, but I definitely had quite a strong reaction to him in sea change. Mm. Uh, every time I've gone back to see it, I've seen, like, I've watched the whole thing like three times in my life as yeah. a child, yeah. <laughs> as like a mid-twenties girl. And then like a couple of years ago, I watched it again and was like, wow, still, still this man is so appealing to me. Or oh, this character, mm. Max Connors of sea change fame. Yeah. Um, he's kind of a broken asshole person but uh, I'm just so intrigued by him and very attracted it's worrying huh. it's very worrying and you first encountered him when you were in your 20s no when I was a child right okay well not like a, I would have been like at 12 or something like you know a, a burgeoning yeah 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 <laughs> adolescenthood god isn't that wild that like you can be that age and someone that's like a broken bad boy on sea <laughs> change can resonate with, with you in that mm. in that like primal sexy way well I don't know if that was the reaction I had at the time I think maybe that was more the mid 20s watch oh sure <laughs> you weren't 12 being like oh yeah he seems a bit damaged like intellectual intrigue yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as a 12 year old was like, oh, this character's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Are there any other people that currently occupy that echelon of, like, that, that I suppose, which almost for me feels kind of like a, almost like a, like a museum display of people, like, the first time that you witnessed them, I'd say largely in media, that mm. you were like, oh, my God, I'm so startled by your beauty. Oh. And, and that first encounter is so memorable to you. Do you have many people that are on that, on that plinth? Uh, I guess I have a certain... Uh, people in the public sphere who I've <laughs> encountered very young and then much like Max Connors yeah. <laughs> I kind of like every time I see them in something or see them again and like you know obviously I'm, like years have passed decades have passed now I'm, I'm still quite attracted to them in a way that I like it was quite strong even though I was quite young mm. and it's kind of lasted the test of time yeah right Do you know well, there's other crushes that come and go they meld into other things. 
um, you know, Joshua Jackson being one of the weird ones that I always remember. From Dawson's Creek? Yeah. When, when did you encounter him first? Was it Dawson's? Dawson's no, no, it was um, The Mighty Ducks. Have you seen The Mighty He's Ducks? He's in The Mighty Ducks? He was a child in The Mighty Ducks. So he was like age appropriate when I saw him. Yeah. He was like, you know, 12 or 13 or whatever. And yeah. I would have been like 10 or something when I watched it. Um, yeah, and I just had a little a little baby crush on him. Oh, that's and so then, sweet. And then Dawson's Creek happened. Still, still interested. Still mm. keen. <laughs> Completely forget about him because his career goes into a bit of a slump. <laughs> and then, <laughs> a bit bang, funny. fringe happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. And he was like a, like a policeman that tried to stop elves. Oh, God, I, I can't even remember. I only, okay. my, my sister and my mother were watching Fringe. I didn't really watch it. But every time I'd wander into the room, I'd be like, yeah. Josh, still, still there, still oh doing it. Great choice. Um, and then, uh, you know, the affair happened. Have you seen the affair? Oh, I thought he had an affair. He's in the show, the affair. The affair. Oh, yeah. I was just told He's... it was very boring. Well, no, I didn't find it so. I mean, I okay. only watched one season. I guess that maybe that says something. <laughs> and I guess you do also bring some JJ bias to the table. I certainly do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The thing about the affair is that I enjoyed mm. was that uh, they have sort of these two people telling the story of the affair that happened, hmm. the two people involved in the affair. Yes. And we get to see same kind of incidents happen from their different perspectives of what they're telling. Hmm. Um, and that's like not a super unique structure for a TV show. Like it's done, it's been done where you hmm. get like, you know, both sides of the story from the different perspectives. Hmm. But um, the thing that I really liked that the affair did was that it shows, it shows the other person from that person's perspective as if they're completely different. So, oh, wow. like, you really get to see how that person sees them, and the performance they're giving is as if it's a different character almost. Like, oh, that's fascinating. I know, I, which I thought was so interesting. And like, if events happen differently, but also people are different in in uh, their memories. Yeah. In that sense. Yeah. Oh my god, super into it. I'm mm. definitely going to watch The Affair now. And you know, Josh Jackson <laughs> bringing his inexplicable hotness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. In fact, I passed a billboard on the way here, Fatal Attraction. That poster is everywhere, yeah. and I'm so excited for it. <laughs> and I was like, should I test myself? Should I check? <laughs> see if it's still strong? <laughs> oh my god, I was so excited by that because I just saw it because these Fatal Attraction posters being everywhere. Because it is a series. It is a series, yeah. And I just got so excited because I thought this casting's immaculate, largely because like I of course have this vested interest as well in Joshua Jackson. You do? Oh, less, I didn't know that. Or much less so than you. Okay. Just because of like I always thought that he seemed like such a sweet man oh, and yeah. then I saw him in Cruel Intentions which I thought was like, in so many ways like it showcased I'd say especially like I'd say him and Sarah Michelle Gellar the most but then to another extent Reese Witherspoon mm. got to give them this chance to like we got to see this other version of them that, were, uh, that I was almost surprised at the time and in reflection that they were like allowed to play these characters yeah yeah because they really had that kind of teen heartthrob thing happening at the time didn't they yes and like the, yeah the Dawson's Creek of the situation the mm. buffiness of it all and yeah for the, the idea of like Joshua Jackson getting to play this like grungy gay guy that's mm. like dragging men out of the closet accidentally like that whole vibe and then Sarah Michelle Gellar being this like step incest sex vixen but I don't and it's like why was this permitted to occur mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but there was that but then it also just like Joshua Jackson and Lizzie Kaplan being in this show together because Lizzie Kaplan is really one of those people that I just like you know when you when it sneaks up on you they're like oh my god am I like low grade obsessed with this person yeah. I don't know and just I was just excited to get to see her in something yeah well we should both watch it and report back I think we absolutely mm. should because I think for me Lizzie Kaplan occupies like my <laughs> I have this French pal his name is Matisse it is not <laughs> short for mathematics and he 
he um he just keeps insisting that like Dua Lipa is just the most beautiful person in the in the world. Oh. And I think it wasn't until he told me that that I was like, I think Lizzie Kaplan might be one of those like. Because, yeah, because She's Matisse stunning. is bisexual, I'm a homosexual. Mm-hmm. And I'd say, um, yeah, <laughs> I have no sexual interest in pursuing this woman. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the open's on the table. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, I just, yeah, I think she's just, like, the way she performs, the way she looks, everything she does, I just mm-hmm. find her so enchanting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I see that. I understand that. Yeah? Yeah, cool. We should watch Fatal Attraction. We will, we will. And also, not to drag it back to Mighty Ducks. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. oh, my God. Just because I want, having read her terrible memoir, <laughs> I still love this woman, having read her oh, terrible Lauren memoir, Graham. Lauren Crane. Um, she as she wrote or is in or she she's involved with the new Mighty oh, Ducks. Yeah, yeah, they remade. Well, is it even a remake? I don't know. The concept they carried through. It's a reboot. A reboot <laughs> of the Mighty Ducks <laughs> into a television series again. Mm. Thus, the connections are made. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mighty Ducks. Have you seen? I've seen no iteration <laughs> of these ducks. <laughs> Um, okay, well, that's some more homework for you. Uh, watch the first Mighty Ducks film and uh-huh. tell me if the 12-year-old Joshua Jackson <laughs> is in any way appealing to you. And if so, we will contact the authorities <laughs> and move right on. I'm not going to fall into your pedophile <laughs> trap. <I laughs> may- <laughs> Foiled again! <laughs> oh. um, yeah, yeah, so... Mm. <laughs> Rob Mills is maybe your Joshua Jackson. Oh, I do. Like, potentially. I'd say there's something. Yeah, there's absolutely overlaps in our Venn diagram relationships with these men. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's just marvellous. And I can't wait to see him talk about his book. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Should I read his book? Everyone should read his book. Yes. Yeah, no, I'd say especially if Australian Idol mattered at all to you, if you think there's anything... I briefly did, actually. Yeah? In 20... Whenever that was. 2021? 2021. Was it 2021? Australian Idol. Sorry, (laughs) 2001. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Oh my god, if you find there to be anything remarkable about the the insane talent, the <laughs> celebrity juggernaut that is Rob Mills, <laughs> if you want to hear him talk a bit about Paris Hilton, if you want to talk him talk a lot about masculinity, if you want him to talk about sexuality, mm-hmm. it's all in there, and it's all fantastic. Yeah, cool. All right. Yeah. Pop that on the book list. Yeah. <laughs> um. Great. So. Uh, oh, five... we, sorry. We're talking about a week's That's what, yes. <laughs> My, my yes. Okay. Have you sp- said nothing about your week so far? I don't. Have I? I can't even remember. Um, um, we'll talk about the crucible for a second. Oh, it's yeah. undercooked at the moment. Well, uh, as you would expect, perhaps uh, given that it's uh, we're kind of working around a lot of different people's schedules. I mean, there's like five thousand people in this cast. Is it a really big cast? <laughs> it's huge. Yeah. It's maybe the biggest cast I've been in for a while since hashtag The Handmaid's Tale oh. 2017. How many people were in that Handmaid's Tale adaptation? Thirty. There were thirty people. Were I you think all playing I, handmaids? It's gotta, it was got to be pushing thirty. Like it was a lot. Right. A lot. A lot of people. Were we all playing handmaids? No. I was the angry aunt. <laughs> the angry aunt. Uh, the, the sort of nun-like figure who, who trains them all to be good subservient handmaids. Is that the one that Sarah Huckabee Sanders got compared to by Michelle Wolfe? <laughs> Maybe that's the most esoteric sentence I've ever mm. said. <laughs> I cannot go where you are. I cannot follow where you lead. I don't know what this is. <laughs> um, okay, sure. Well, so that was 30 people. 30 people, I, I think it was almost 30. It would have been almost 30. It was yeah. massive. And okay. yeah, unfortunate for a lot of them because they just kind of had to walk on stage and stand and leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But like, you know, a great group experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As is the Crucible, but just time-wise, it's difficult to get everybody in the same room at once because it's sort of that juggling other jobs and that was kind of what part, part of this process was sort of meant to work around other people's commitments. So it's like... Yeah, it's just difficult to get everyone together. How big is this cost? Uh, 
I think it's about 21. Right, okay. Maybe I'm wrong again. Numbers. <laughs> <laughs> and the bulk Who of them are knows? what? Like, <laughs> don't call me a fuck nose. <laughs> my nose is fine. <laughs> what, what are the bulk of them doing? Because I'm just, my, I don't know, limited like, familiarity with be, the text. Well, you know how sometimes you get a show, like, I mean, Summer Night's Dream would be a fine example of this, where it's easy to double. Mm-hmm. Like to double cast it, you yeah. know, you got one, you got one foot in the mechanical world and one foot in the fairy world. Or yeah. Um, the Crucible is just awkward. It's got a lot of kind of smallish characters that you can't really double because of the way that they appear in the show. And you could probably cut some, and you could probably do a fun thing. Like I was like, can't the husband and wife both be played by the same character? Oh. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> no one went for it, <laughs> but I was like, that's another share of payment. Wait, which could... husband and wife? Like. Oh, there's like there's a few. There's like there's Thomas Putnam and Anne Putnam. Yeah. They appear at the same time, so we probably couldn't do it with them. <laughs> but uh, Francis Nurse and Rebecca Nurse, mm-hmm. this older couple in in the show that again have quite tiny but pivotal roles. Mm. Um, but they don't. They never appear at the, at, at the same time. Right. Um, but you still have them be spouses, or you just amalgamate the characters. I'd have them be the spouses and just right. be played by the same actor. God, okay. God, you need to be at the helm of something I soon. I do, yeah. Animal Farm, here we come! Here we come! <laughs> yeah, yeah, Animal Farm. Oh, that's another thing that's been happening. We've been rewriting Animal Farm and kind of stressing over that. Is it going to be quite different from the first iteration? Oh, yes. Yes. It's very, very different, yeah. Okay, is that exciting? Um, It's both exciting and frightening, I'd say. Uh-huh. Just because it's pretty untried and we don't know how much time we're going to have to rehearse that. Time! What is it? And why don't I have it? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Um, yeah, so that's sort of been my week. I went swimming this morning. Where? Uh, in the pool. It's in the apartment building of my friend. Great. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't have any bathers, so I had two fashion bathers out of a scarf. <laughs> How? What? <laughs> that's like one of those magical garments they try to sell you at like 11pm on television isn't it yeah isn't it? Um, yes. how did you make a scarf well, bathing suit I mentioned it and brought it up in this forum I'm like do I even want to talk about this <laughs> oh why is it no, no, a crime a that you did no 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 <laughs> I just I just didn't have any bathers so I kind of turned it into I, I kind of tied it around my body in a way that looked like a bathing suit Okay. And yes, I didn't even know I could do this, Jake, but I can, it turns out. So, if anyone's listening, give it a red hot crack. <laughs> it's it's possible. Well done. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh, and you, you saw elephants in... on the scarf? Elephants on the scarf. Yeah. So I... fashionable as well. Is... Oh my god. Sure. <laughs> yes, I brought the elephants to the room in this <laughs> instance. <laughs> uh, oh god, and you had a good swim. I had a really nice swim. I love swimming. Mhm. That's all I have to say about that. Okay, well, what would you rate your swim out of five stars? Mm, 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 mm. Um, I'm going to give it a nine out of ten. Golly. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. And just stick with the classic ten, <laughs> ten no half stars format. Yeah, good. No, no, yeah, be assertive. Yeah, yeah. 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 Good. I guess the ingenuity of the whole bathing suit scarf thing has maybe added a couple of extra points. Yeah, I feel good. Proud of myself. And we must celebrate our achievements. That's true. That's true. <laughs> because maybe no one else will. And then what have we done? <laughs> Fallen in the woods when no one was around. True, true. But yeah. Do tell me about your week. <laughs> uh, no, my week was pretty stock standard in terms of like the current like you know mindset and lifestyle that I'm leading. Mm. It's largely just like a lot of like. You know, like seeing as much theatre as possible, which is limited due to time, which like you, I don't have. Mm. And yeah, otherwise just like working a bunch. Um, a woman, uh, I of course work at this restaurant. A woman, I don't know why this is coming to mind to bring up. It's not interesting. But I was like, serving this large It's got to be more interesting than the bathing suit and scarf. <laughs> not possible. Fiasco. No, I fashioned no outfits of anything <laughs> unexpected. Uh, a woman asked me if I owned the restaurant that I worked at because of how good a waiter I was. Wow. Yeah. 
Wow. <laughs> no, that's very sweet of you to wow twice. I didn't even deserve <laughs> one. No, but that's... No, but that is a strange... I, I mean, it's kind of impressive to be like, you're so good at this that you must be in charge. That you must own this restaurant. <laughs> See, that's one... Ta- I thought it was like, how do I seem like a person that could own a restaurant? <laughs> I'm a buffoon. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. So that that was just sweet. That was like a nice exchange. That it was like sad. that was really a funny, a funny accusation. Beyond that, no, I've mostly like honestly quite tragically, but also good in terms of like the way it connects to things we've previously spoken about. Mm-hmm. I've just started reading Selma Blair's memoir. Oh, you're just the memoir king, aren't you? If there's a good one, I'm yeah. into it. Especially if it's like a woman, a woman. Yeah. But yeah, I just. Does she have anything to say about I cruel, have to... cruel intentions? Oh my god, she's not even up to cruel intentions yet. I have to keep taking breaks, and it's been a while since I've had a book like this where I'm like I have to keep taking breaks because I keep getting too upset like I was like crying on the train the other day and thank god I was on the huddle like, the, no the Hearst wait which one am I saying on the Hearst Bridge line to Heidelberg and I was so glad because there was no one else on my carriage yeah. so I could just Phew. be like oh my god <laughs> no summer oh, no. <laughs> so upsetting it just, yeah, I have to keep stopping because I'm like I'm too overwhelmed to keep reading she had such a difficult traumatic time as god. a young woman yeah well it's, rough, it was, it's, tra- it's certainly like the styles of trauma that it is thus far kind of like mm. align with a few of like my childhood experiences so it's that moment of like it's making me rethink things about myself and it's also just like sort of like having that sort of deep empathy for another person that it's like I'm so sorry that you had to go through that too like a lot of that type of stuff Mm. and just like Oh, it's just, yeah, and she just like words things really well. I don't know how much collaboration there was between her and a potential ghostwriter. I'm not sure, <laughs> but it was her life. Um, yeah, I, it's just I so have much no about. basis for this, but she doesn't seem like the type of person to have a ghostwriter. I would like to I've believe the same it. thing. Yeah, no, great. <laughs> no, good. That is, of course, my hope. Oh my God. Some of these memoirs, I'm like, I just want to believe that <laughs> Sally Field sat down and wrote this beautiful memoir. Again, Sally's writing her own shit, surely. Of course she is. Oh my God. She just seems so wise and, you know, eloquent. Yeah. I don't know, but yeah. No, Selma Blair, of course. Cruel Intentions, Fame, and others. She was in Mum and Dad with Nicolas Cage, a movie I couldn't finish because it was too upsetting. Oh, don't know that movie. Oh my God, it's this thing that happens where parents... Something happens and every parent suddenly wants to kill their children. And it got up to this part where all these like new parents were looking in at the babies in the hospital where they'd just been born, wanting to murder the babies. <laughs> and I was like, I can't watch this movie anymore because I just got too upset. Um, I might be a weak person. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, that's that. So if you want to read Mean Baby along with me, anyone out there listening. That's sure. You know, toughen up, face the babies you want to kill. <laughs> that's beautiful. Mm, thank you. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so I'm going to give my week, uh, let's go 12 and a half stars. Ooh. Ooh. Um, What's the metric? What's the metric? Let's go that because, I don't know, I'm just hung up. I'm just thinking about running a restaurant. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's how many staff I'd want. I'd want 12 and a half real stars that can work on the floor for me. That is a good number to have in terms of, like, quality, committed, loyal staff. It's yeah. hard to find them. But yeah. I, they'd be casually employed but paid very well. Mm. And the half star would be for someone whose schedule needs to be really flexible to work around their singing <laughs> career or something. <laughs> you know, that could be my star is born. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah, but I'd be supportive of Lady Gaga and not be mad at her for I being late. I believe that of you. Thank you. <laughs> I don't know how long this restaurant would last, <laughs> but the staff would be well paid. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like you'd also find opportunities for her to showcase her abilities in the context of the restaurant. We'd have like an open mic night mm-hmm. and she could go up as long as her tables were all like well fed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you want to talk about some theatre? Yeah, we should. Okay. <laughs> Red Stitch! Ah! <laughs> have you been? Have you heard of it? 
Of Red Stitch? Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. I've been a couple of times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. What's your relationship with them What like? is my relationship with Red Stitch? Well, I remember getting a, a little flyer for Red Stitch when I was quite youthful, maybe. When I was kind of in that period of like, do I be an actor, do I not be an actor? And I mm. still had that sort of weird fascination with anything theatrical, but also like a bit of a terror of it. Like maybe this is where my life is going. I'm scared. Let's run away. Huh. <laughs> it was a complicated time. Yeah. But Red Stitch, yes. Uh, and I... Despite the fact that I remember looking at a, a flyer and kind of keeping it close and being like, oh, should I go and see this? Should I not? I didn't go and see it. And I haven't, hadn't actually seen a Red Stitch show until the one that we saw together like a year ago. Was it a year ago? Which what one? about a year? The Cane. The ca- Oh, the, the one. The Cane with the, Dion Mills. Is that what it was called? The Cane? Mm-hmm. And he kept mm-hmm. the cane upstairs. And That's he was, the one. And, and the set turns around. Yes. And it was mm-hmm. like this. Yes. And mm-hmm. his students were trying to cancel him because he did something racist? Or what did he do? No, did he? Maybe it was because he he slapped a student or something. Did he do? I feel like that would have tied in with the name of the play at the very least. It, <laughs> oh, oh, now I'm feeling embarrassed. I don't remember enough about this. And he, oh god, what did happen? And he, I remember Dion being fantastic. And he was the dad, mm-hmm. the controversial dad. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I remember the set moving around and there being a, an axe that we see under the stairs. Yes, which was a highlight for me. It was like dangling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. The dangling cane. <laughs> no, axe. Cane in the attic, <laughs> axe under the stairs, daughter mm-hmm. pretty upset. Yes. Uh, at one point, someone pours a glass of water on a laptop. Do you remember that? Yes. Yeah. Why are we retain so little? That was <laughs> powerful. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But my understanding of Red Stitch is that it is, is referred to as the Actors Theatre. Yep. So I think believe it is run by actors and they have an ensemble of actors they call upon to perform mm. a wonderful performance. Uh, and I guess they tend to pick plays. And again, this is my understanding. I don't know if this is true, but they tend to pick plays that are exciting for a performer to do. Mm. Mm-hmm. Cool. They tend to do play plays, you know, a bit of a play classic, plays. A classic play play. What's a classic play play? Mm, yes, do in- interrogate me about this. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I guess uh, a play that would be bound and you could buy <laughs> over oh. the Australian plays. <laughs> oh, like a play, play, like a play that has been like printed and like exists. That's what I mean. Yes, as right. opposed to you know a new work, a new devised work, uh, you know an adaptation of some classic text or something. Like it seems to be very uh, uh, literary. Oh sure, and almost like proscenium archie. Yeah, that's what I think of it as being. Okay, or, sure. Yeah, but it, I mean, it is quite a sort of intimate space that they use. It's a nice yeah. little black box theater that they have. Yeah, yeah. Um, I guess too, as well, like you're talking about them doing established works. They do also have like a really great, uh, like emerging playwriting like program. Like they're very good at like supporting. Oh, do they? And cultivating, oh, cool. yeah, okay. new voices and stuff. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that we both have like a similarly <laughs> close <laughs> understanding. Yeah, <laughs> of what this yeah. Yeah, well, actually, up to. the last one I saw because now I've seen three Red Stitch shows. Mm. Actually, no, four. But um, four in your whole I... life. Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Which seems small for a Melbourne actor to have seen, honestly. I, mean, I feel like I've seen not enough of their work mm. as well. Yeah. Mm. And I also have similarly very few excuses. Mm. Yeah. But every time I go, it's always memorable and like strange and intense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the one that I saw, which was called A Simple Act of Kindness, that was a new work. It was a new Australian work, mm. which was very funny and enjoyable. Great. Um, but this one is called Selling Kabul. Selling Kabul. Selling Kabul. Okay, yes, great. Yes. So I don't know why I felt the need to repeat. You. Well, no, yeah. I'm glad you did. Pronunciation <laughs> corrections. I, I will need. <laughs> we all know this. Um, yes. So this show uh, was directed by a man called Brett Cousins. Mm-hmm. Are you familiar with Brett? No. 
Mm. The name <laughs> is terribly familiar. I feel like I should be familiar with Brett. Brett Cousins. But, um, Car- yes, Brett. Anyway, he directed it. Yeah. <laughs> Written by Sylvia Curry, okay. uh, who is an American writer. Mm-hmm. And um, it's sort of detailing uh, a family that are living in Kabul. And uh, the the sort of... Um, it's, it's It mostly focuses on the brother and sister of this family. Mm-hmm. Is uh, Kabul in Afghanistan? It is indeed. Okay. Yes, yes, thank you. No, cool. <laughs> I just wanted to be sure that was correct in my head. Cool, cool. Totally correct. Um, yeah, so this, this sibling relationship uh, and the kind of pressured situation that they are in together mm-hmm. uh, and kind of that also brings in her husband and the next door neighbour who lives very close to them. Okay, cool. Obviously, as the next-door neighbour. <laughs> um, and her baby child. Great. Um, yeah. So, it sort of is... Uh, the kind of crux of the show is that the brother, whose name is uh, Tarun. Tarun mm-hmm. is the brother. Um, he is hiding out in his sister's house. And her name is Afia. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and she's essentially kind of, like, letting him seek refuge there. Uh, because he is hiding from the Taliban. Mm-hmm. He worked with the Americans to, uh, at, like, as an interpreter. Yeah, right? okay. Uh, and he's sort of been in this situation where he's been hiding out for a long time. Uh, now, unfortunately, I didn't take any notes, so I can't remember how long he's been hiding out for, but long enough for him to get a bit stir-crazy and a bit like, I need to get out of here, I need to live my life. Right, okay. Yeah. So to um, what extent is he, is it a full-on hideout, like he's in the house with his sister... Mm. And people are like looking for him. Like, is the Taliban trying to find him well, actively? The, the, tele- the Taliban is trying to find him. I guess in in the structure of the play. Like, mm. as as the play carries on, as the story continues, it becomes more and more urgent yep. that they've actually probably found him, or they're very close, uh, and they're they're taking steps to try and get to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does this take place while like the US is still occupying the Middle East, or have they withdrawn? Mm. Mm. Is that part of this play? Uh, well, I, I would say that they have withdrawn, I think. That was my understanding of it. Of oh, course, cool. so this is the Taliban's retaken control. Y- yeah, I would say. That's the time period that it's in? I think so. Cool. And okay. it might have been a recent transition. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, because I'm not quite sure precisely when it's set. Cool. But the circumstances are that he's, you know, well, the so her husband, uh, he is, he works for the Taliban. Um, he... He makes uniforms for them, mm-hmm. um, and she helps with that. Uh, and it's sort of interesting. She is quite conflicted about that. And um, as the show progresses, you also find that her husband is also quite conflicted about it. Mm. And it's kind of doesn't really see another choice. But also, I guess that's where the title comes from. He feels like he's sold out his his home. Oh wow! Mm. Okay, sure. Mm. That's why it's selling Kabul. Yeah, yeah, selling oh. it. All right. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, so her her brother is she's kind of yeah keep, keeping him there and he's he's hiding out but he's getting very frustrated and like the show opens when you walk in uh, with him uh, preset and shaving his face. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, as okay. he's watching television. Yep. Uh, in this. What sort of shaving? Like with cream or like with like one of those like angry razors? Oh you, like, no! Grind you, against your face. I'm not sure. I suspect it was it was an electric razor. I think. Why are you suspecting? Well, because I can't remember. Oh, I was okay. you notes and my memory is notoriously terrible. <laughs> I just remember him shaving as I walked in mm. and I sat down uh, by myself again. Woo! And he he was watching TV. So you don't really know what's going on. You just know that there is a young man who is looking somewhat discontented 
uh, and watching TV. And then when the show starts, like when the preset is over and the show begins, um, he kind of hears some sounds in the hallway and immediately climbs into the cupboard. So that's like the first action of the play. Oh, my goodness. Hiding, hiding in the cupboard. Okay. Um, for fear that someone will discover him. Yeah. Uh, and his sister comes in, uh, as played by the lovely Nicole Naboo. Mm-hmm. And um, she informs him that his wife has given birth. So he has a wife who he hasn't seen for a very long time. Again, cannot remember the length of time. Let's say six months, let's say a year. Okay. Something along those lines. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, there's, there's a great joyous moment. He's really excited and he wants to go see her. He wants to go see the baby and see his wife, of course. Hmm. Um, but, you know, he cannot. He's not allowed to. He, well, I mean, he could, but he risks death. Yeah. Uh, and... She spends a lot of time trying to convince him to stay calm and relax and that he will see her eventually when it is safe to do so, when he can go out um, dressed in a, in a, you know, coverings mm. and sort of masquerade as a woman in order to be able to enter the hospital and be safe and see his wife. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that kind of sibling dynamic of him, I, you assume that he's the younger sibling. Oh, actually, he's, he's, he's played by Kisrael... I want to get this name right. I know this person, and yet <laughs> my anxiety about pronouncing things correctly rears its ugly head again. <laughs> um, Kisro Jones Secure is mm. how I would say that last name. Cool. A lovely guy, good actor. Yeah. Um, he's playing the brother. And I guess over the course of the show, uh, it becomes more and more urgent. And it also becomes evident to the audience that something has happened to his wife that they're not telling him. Yeah. Uh, and. It, it turns out that the members of the Taliban have actually come and pushed her down the stairs, uh, which is why she gave birth early, uh, and she is in a coma. And I believe she passes away before the end of the show. But oh again, this is all sort of not revealed to him for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and the neighbour is another character. Um, her name is Layla. Um, as played by <laughs> Phil, 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 Phil the gap. Claudia Wait, Greenstone. Claudia Greenstone Claudia plays Greenstone. the neighbour. I'm yeah. just. Did the baby survive? The baby survived. Yes. Okay. Cool. Uh, and yeah, she she's kind of coming in and out throughout the show. Um, Claudia, not the baby. Oh, right. No, the, the Claudia. Yes. Yeah, no, cool. <laughs> or Layla, as the character's name is. More appropriate. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, he has to hide every time she's there. There's that kind of slightly. <laughs> Fun comedy of errors. Uh, oh, it's a cupboard. Oh, it's just a mouse. Don't worry about it. Oh, we're going back into the other room. Oh, okay. Oh, she's almost in. Oh, no, let's make another excuse for her not to go in there. So it's both quite sort of like strangely light and amusing, but also. Oh, so it was played this way. Dangerous. This isn't you just like. Oh, it, was on, it was on the edge. For me, I guess I felt it was quite humorous. And I think I think it was meant to be. The, yeah. the stuff around the mouse is quite funny. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you also feel the danger that, you know. Oh, so they were ready for Layla to betray them. Um, I think they're just being careful. They're yeah. just being careful about what, you know, because she might tell someone or she might tell her husband or, you know, who knows. Mm. Um, it will come out somehow. You yeah. never know. Um, but she's quite good friends with the, with with Afia, uh, but they haven't seen each other in a while. Pure, like, and Layla's a bit confused about that, but it's obviously because she can't really, <laughs> you know, she's got her, her brother hiding out in her house. Mm. <clears throat> Yeah, and I guess that's sort of a significant tension for a while. And then her husband comes home, and it turns out things are a lot worse than they expected, and there's people looking for them, and he's been beaten up. Uh, and they kind of have to get him out pretty quickly, yeah. essentially. Um, but also trying to kind of hide the fact that something's happened with his wife. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it's it's a pretty high-pressure situation 
pretty complicated. Uh, and I guess the it's the character of Afia is we spend a lot of time with her, uh, both in silence and in conversation, and you really get very attached to her as a person and very intrigued. She's like they, there's a lot of references to how intelligent she is and how much potential she had mm. and has to you know contribute significantly to the world. Um, you know how amazing her. Because she, you know, she learned English. They, her and her brother learned English, obviously, because he worked as an interpreter. But um, you know, when they were kids, she was incredible at, at English and so good at um, her accent was impeccable. Like she, you know, she could be taken for an American if, if she wanted to. And how she feels kind of conflicted about that. Mm. There's sort of a sense of um, wanting to kind of distance herself from American culture, uh, but also that you know, there's something about what she could have achieved in that in that culture that is appealing to her or or at least she feels quite conflicted about it mm. um yeah yeah what um, is she doing like when you say that you're spending a lot of time with mm. her in silence like what is she doing in these moments of silence well i guess when i reference that i think i'm, I'm referring more to there's one specific moment where she's preparing her brother to go quickly uh and there's not a lot of time and we see her packing a bag <clears throat> and we really just watch her pack the bag. Mm. And it takes, we sit with her for a while as she gathers items and pauses and allows the weight of the situation to overcome her and then and then move on and, and continue to pack as quickly as possible. And, and yeah, I think it just really, you it, it feels like you're really sitting in her world mm. and her experience of what's happening a lot of the time. And there's, there's also a, a kind of another side of things that she's really wanting to have a baby and it just hasn't happened for her and her husband uh and yeah it's all like i don't want to give away too much of where the story goes mm. um but that's another thread to the whole situation and um yeah as a p i mean it's it's odd because i guess i don't really i, I don't see a lot of theater that it is as uh i guess i almost want to say domestic as this but maybe that's not the right word. Hmm. It's, you know, like it's a play play, <laughs> right, as we've okay. previously discussed. <laughs> sure, yeah. Um, and we're in the same same environment the whole time, and it's all played out in real time. Right, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. Sure. That's really impressive. It is, it is really impressive. Uh, and the actors do a really beautiful job. And I, yeah, it's not often that I, well, I guess we've talked about this before, where you kind of go into a show with a critical brain, and you're kind of assessing it a lot of the time. Mm. Um, and I really... Uh, hit a point sort of midway through where I stopped doing that, I think, and I really just got lost in the story and the sense of danger that was very successfully created. Um, and the pain and the sadness of the, and the difficulty, um, but also the love. There's a very strong sense of love in this play mm. between all the characters and the grief. Um, you know, what happens to Layla is pretty horrific. And, she, you know, she survives the... Oh, spoiler! She survives the play, but um, her, she goes through a lot. Mm, okay. <laughs> Um, and, um, I found it extremely moving and I, there's, there was nothing, I, th I think all the actors contributed so beautifully and perfectly to, to the telling of the story. Mm. Yeah. Um, you know, even, I, I guess, um, the character of the husband, uh, Jawid, what's his name, as played by Farad Zawala, he, um, he didn't have as much stage time, I think, as the others. Mm. Uh, and he had a different energy, which was quite, it, it was more subtle and, I guess, 
uh, smooth, but still like contributed so wonderfully. Like you know, you could almost say that you know compared to the others, his character was more muted. But it just didn't. It didn't feel that way. It, it was quieter, but it was just as interesting to watch and absorbing. Um, yeah, really lovely and moving. And uh, would recommend. I think it's definitely finished now or sold out. It was a while ago. It feels like like a week and a half that I saw the show. Um, but really stunning work from Red Stitch, I'd say. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Oh, there's a spit that happens, which is quite exciting. A spit. <laughs> Yes. Have you ever seen an, an actor spit on another actor? Oh, I thought you meant like a, like a roast pig. That oh. is, um, an actor spit on another actor. Mm. Probably, but none spring to mind. When I say spit, I don't mean accidentally, because that happens all the time. Oh, and I so love much. watching the other actors pretend that they haven't been spat on. That was a very wet diction. Indeed, yeah. one of my favourite pastimes. Um, no, but like uh, there's one point when one actor angrily spits mm. on another. Okay. Um in the context of you know something awful has just happened and she's she's absolutely furious. Yeah. Um, real big old gob, like hu- huge amount of spit. Oh. And uh, it always makes me wonder how I'd go with that. How how I <laughs> if I were Kisra, kiss yeah. How I would go getting spat on every night in the face. Oh, you think being the victim of the spit would be harder than oh, doing yeah. that? Oh, that's what you're thinking about. <laughs> Don't you think? I don't know. What... I went straight to the stress of how do I generate the sufficient, because <laughs> I'm just not a spitter, you know? Yeah. And so, no, but you're thinking about to get spat upon. Well, how I, you know, how I would cope with that. Yeah. Because, because, because so many I mean, people... I'm not, I'm not that uh, weird about uh, getting germs on me. Like, I'm not one of those people. But still, <laughs> there's a step beyond being okay with eating someone else's sandwich to being like, okay, spit on my face. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, okay, so you're, so it is germ-related, the thing, like, the thing that you're wrestling with in terms of like, trying know. to forecast your reaction. I think it, maybe it's both the, 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 the sort of moisture, <laughs> the fluid, <laughs> combined with the, um, uh, just the feeling of being spat on, mm. of someone spitting on your face. Yeah, because that's where where I'm sort of going directly mm. as well. Of like, with pe- so many people considering it to be such like the height of rudeness and mm. and contempt. Yeah. Like, I wonder how it would feel to mm. yeah, to get treated that way. Yeah. 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 I don't and I am curious anyone... about it. Well, yeah. yeah. Should we should we test it afterwards? <laughs> on each other. Yes. I mean, that's the only way. Well, I think we have to get pretty deep in character, (laughs) I think. You know, because I think if we're just (laughs) experimenting with, you know, saliva swapping. We both have to do something truly heinous to each other. I'd say so. Yeah, or we seek out some... Like, this is how you end up on one of those websites. But, like, (laughs) seeking someone to treat me like garbage and spit on my face. Wanted. A spitter. A spit. yeah. (laughs) But, yeah, I I did not know this about myself until this conversation, Mm. but I am curious about how I'd feel about that Mm. happening. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, maybe I'll get cast and you'll get cast in something someday where you'll be like, okay, here we go. This is the test. Yeah, oh my God, it's happening. <laughs> Better call Elizabeth first. What yes. do I think? Hmm. Yeah, <laughs> or uh, talk to Keystraw. Maybe he, yeah, yeah I wonder yeah. what he can say about it. Yeah. yeah, he seemed fine with it, honestly. I did speak to him afterwards. I'm like, oh, well, great. how was that? <laughs> oh, did you ask me about that specifically? I did. Oh, nice. What did he say? <laughs> he was like, oh, it's a big one tonight. Oh, oh God. <laughs> he was talking about volume? Yeah, okay. like it was a particularly... Voluminous spit. Oh, on the night that well, I you're went. so lucky you got to be I there for that. I was very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I guess, you know, more broadly, it's always. I had a chat with Claudia afterwards, uh, who I didn't know before then, but I just, you know, said her congratulations because of her beautiful work. And she, um, yeah, I asked her how she went with getting that worked up every every night. The saliva. Oh, so you well, asked two different cast members about the spit. <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> um, this it was not so much about the working up of the saliva, more about the. The distress that she had to present every evening. Oh, okay, how right. she went with that. 
Maybe because was she the one doing the spitting? She was. She was. Okay, cool. Yeah. Okay, but your question was more about her emotional experience. I think so, which is, yeah. I guess, something I'm always interested in, how actors cope with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think in my own experience, it's not that hard to get worked up on stage um, if the... God, this is lame, but if the material is good, Jane, <laughs> it just does it for you, you know? You don't have to work yourself up into it. Um, but it's really hard for me to actually decompress from that. So it's like getting into it's fine, Yeah. but if you go off stage and then it's still coursing through you, how do you actually release that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just want to want to know how other actors do it, I suppose. Because mm. I've struggled with that in t- sometimes where you kind of, you just, it, it does have an effect, has a physical effect upon you getting that upset every night. Mm. Mm. Yeah, right. How would you describe that, like in the days following? Because I've certainly experienced mm. the same thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, how, how would you describe the way that it sort of like keeps living inside of you? Well, it's sort of, sort of like, uh, for me anyway, it's kind of cumulative. Like I don't know... Like, it's fine for a little bit. I'm just like, okay, I'm obviously a little... Like, it takes me a while to to get it out of my body so that my body doesn't still feel like I'm in flight-or-flight mode. Yeah. <laughs> um, which, you know, obviously meditating is helpful and just being quiet and by yourself or getting hugs. Like, all that sort of thing is good. Mm. Um, but, um, yeah, I find that the longer a season goes on... Like, I <clears throat> with Macbeth, I was Lady Macduff which is a stupid role where you come on for one scene <laughs> and your child gets killed in front of you and then you get dragged off stage to get raped and murdered, probably. Mm. Um, definitely murdered. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, you don't, you don't have a lot of time to process it in the context of the show. Yeah. So it's like, you're on, uh, your husband's left you, he's like, he's not there, you're worried about your child, you have a little cute interaction with your child, then bang, your child's dead bang you're getting attacked um yeah and in that case like the other actors had to run off to do another scene so i'd kind of go off stage and be like god i'm alone and i feel like and just get dumped backstage (laughs) well like not dumped but you know what i mean like um and it was pretty it was fine until like the second last night or the night and this we did the show for like a month and a half or something Mm. um and i was like i I'm struggling to do this, like to just keep it up in my body um, mm. night after night after night so that, you know, when when it hit the last few shows, I, I just found I kind of stayed in a in a pretty bad space for like three or two or three days where it was like I couldn't quite shake it. Gosh, okay. Yeah. And again, I don't know, maybe I'm doing it wrong somehow. But um, yeah, so that's just an interesting uh, part of the job that I'm always intrigued by, how people cope with that sort of thing. Mm. You know, it's it's all, it's easier in a way film where you're kind of doing it, <laughs> you do it for one day maybe or two days and mm. then you're kind of done with it, you know. Yeah. Whereas it's like, okay, this will be my life. <laughs> this will be one aspect of what my body goes through every night for two months or whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah. God, that's so fascinating. Mm. Yeah. yeah, but how did you find it? God, oh, awful. I'm just thinking, yeah, even listening to you, uh, yeah, talk about it. It's like uh, a friend, a person we both know, a good friend of mine, Madeline. Mm. She is currently, she's uh, like a psychologist. Yeah, cool. Um, and she also has a performance background. Like she studied the same place that we did. Mm. Um, and yeah, she's very interested in sort of like combining her two passions for theatre and for psychology and looking into this sort of thing of like how people can develop a resilience to 
dramatic performative work mm. um, is something. Um, but yeah, it's so interesting to yeah hear hear what you just said about it all because of like it's almost like and people have said this before, but it's like your body doesn't know that it's pretend what you're going yeah. through, mm. and then there's something so interesting about having to like remedy something like witnessing your child get murdered like over and over again and kind of there isn't like a go-to method of like if that were to happen to you in reality um which hopefully does not yeah i don't know hopefully no one's had to witness their child get killed over and over again let's hope not let's hope not but then to think of like having to rely upon like real world psychological Mm. findings and and to treat your brain as seriously as it needs to get treated, all the while knowing that you're doing it under the guise of some performative act it's that you've weird, opted isn't into. Because it? it's not, yeah, no, I'm not going out there thinking about my own child getting murdered, you know? Mm. Like it's, and that's probably not a, like, that wouldn't be very good for me, I imagine. Mm. Um, so, you know, it's still acting, it's still yeah. pretend, but it still has an effect. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and like those emotional mm. chemicals are still doing something, yeah. and then, yeah, having to deal with to deal with them in a very real-world way mm. um, is so complex and complicated. Yeah. Um, but maybe some people are really good at pretending and to the extent that it doesn't affect them physically, maybe. You know, they're kind of just doing the, going through the motions and the, 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 the part of you that's kind of being risked in the scenario isn't activated. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah, it's absolutely so many people's take on performance. Mm. I, I'd like to be that. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you would. You well, wouldn't. I certainly don't go into it being like, oh, I need to really work myself up here and get into the headspace and try and imagine that this is happening to me. Okay. But I... So that isn't some, part of what Somehow makes by you... pretending it, it makes it feel real for me, I think is what I'm saying. Oh, sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and you pretended, like, your way into it is that... Well, you've you... got you to pretend in order to act, right? Like, you've got to pretend that you're doing it. <laughs> sure, but, I, I, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, I just wonder, yeah, with you describing your acting process that way, mm. is is that style of pretending, is that you remembering how an emotion that you've identified in the text felt the last time you felt it, and then you sort of, like, teach your body to recreate it from the inside out? Is that how you're describing what you're talking oh, about? interesting. Because if you aren't imagining... You know, I've never actually examined this this closely, but I oh, think sure. actually what it is for me, or what I did, I mean, things, it's different every time, but, mm. like... What I did on that particular show from is just I just pretend that what's happening is actually happening for real, right. rather than being like, oh, I need to recreate an emotion from my past, or I need to th- think about a time that made me feel like how I feel now. Yeah, that doesn't seem to kind of help for me. It's just like being in the moment of what's happening in the scene. Oh, kind great! Of makes okay. it happen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So you're yeah you're doing yeah. that thing of like to simplify that thing of like reacting organically in an imaginary circumstance yeah like that's much yeah, more true so. to what you're doing i think so right okay great but again maybe that's not very healthy i don't know yeah well i'd say it's more healthy from my <laughs> limited perspective more healthy than doing the thing that some people do of like remember the time that my like yeah, mother said this to me i don't I'm want to be sitting backstage like because i've seen other actors do it i'm like that looks awful where they're like trying to like dredge up an emotion from their past in order to present it to kind these of weird, use it? Yes, these I'm frantic like, oh, sense that memory. feels like that's not going to be what I want. <laughs> yeah, no, no, even for one of the reasons being of like, then what happens then if you do enough healing and these things don't hurt you like they yeah, used to? Yeah, do you become a bad actor? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, maybe? And, yeah, and, in, and the opposite of that, like, do you try to stay a bad, unhealed person in order to, like, to... To make your craft happen, which also like, sure, <laughs> not to immediately sort of like sound like I'm flipping sides, but it's like, I'm kind of, if you're fine with doing that to yourself, I think that's very impressive. It's good if you can handle it. It's I think dangerous that's... to romanticize. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> let's not romanticize yeah, it. No, let's not. But also like, if you're going to do it, I'm mm. intrigued to see what you get up to. Yeah. I just hope that your life isn't awful. Yeah. 
But I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I guess I am stuck with as much as I would never advocate it for anyone else. But I think willing, being willing to make sacrifices for your art and sacrifices that potentially really hurt you, I, I do think I tragically find quite commendable. Yeah, yeah, no, and you know what? So do I, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. want to, yeah. It's certainly things I'm happy to do to myself, mm. you know, as I think I've unfortunately like proven to myself <laughs> and others. Like I'm fine with that as long as the oh, art is like interesting. Though. Jake and Payne is very compelling. <laughs> it better be. Good God. Yeah, no, I don't know. But there's also the whole flip side of the conversation too, that I mm. certainly know that our pal Samantha Dowdswell has said some wonderful stuff about how when acting, because she's like taught actors, she's spoken to a lot of people about performance and a perspective that she's spoken about a fair bit is the idea of like, you absolutely, you don't need to feel anything. Yeah. Like you don't need to have a single emotion inside of you, but you, in, through being a person with compassion and curiosity, you know what emotions look and sound like and you can just replicate them. Yeah, yeah. Which also like works. You yeah. Can, you can really enjoy a show. <laughs> like speaking of, uh, <laughs> I don't know, maybe so I did Speaking a show recently. Yeah. Well, I'm just thinking Nicole Naboo from this show. I'm from um, Selling Kabul. Yeah, yeah, I know her because we worked in on Romeo and Juliet together. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were doing the final scene where all the parents are terribly sad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, she's she's presenting as being in deep grief. Uh, and one night she turned around to me and and she gave me this cheeky little look like it's all it's all a bit pretend, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing, Nicole. That's so oh fantastic because I would never have guessed that you weren't feeling it. Mm. Um, but you know, she's she's just able to project um, incredible emotion uh, yeah. and kind of keep a little part of herself separate from that. Which is oh cool. my goodness, mm. that's so interesting. Yeah, love it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, one more thing, actually, that I should just say. Yeah. Because uh, I have the uh, program with me here, and yeah. I thought this was. Again, I didn't plan to do this, but I think... <laughs> where is it? Uh, yep. Vamp, Jake, vamp! But, oh! Uh, <laughs> well, here we go. Bad, bad, so, bad. Um, they've included uh, this this link in the program to the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre, which I thought was would be nice for people to, you know, um, have, mm. as it's just it's a very powerful play, very powerful message. Uh, so, www.asrc.org.au uh, if you want to, um, you know, donate or... or Get involved in any way. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, no, I'll put that in the show notes thing as well because because that backyard quiz that I went to during the comedy festival was also supporting the same centre. Oh, nice, okay. So cool. Yeah, yeah, so I'll whack that in there as well if people are interested. Yeah, that's amazing. That's wonderful. Lovely. Selling Kabul, great. Hey. Hi, hi. Hi, hi. I'm still here. You are, thank God. <laughs> Never leave. I went to the Butterfly Club. <laughs> Good, that is the correct sound I to make. I saw a show. I saw a show. Yeah. Selling Kabul. It was not selling Kabul. Because that would be unfortunate. <laughs> we have to discuss it again. <laughs> <laughs> it was a different take, though. <laughs> um, it was <laughs> Debatably, this was not any version of Selling Kabul. Okay, good, good. This was a show called Burn It. <laughs> Burn it. Burn it. With a full stop at the end, which I always think is crucial to bring up punctuation when it's yeah. unexpected or quirky. I like that. You like that? I like quirky punctuation. You do? <laughs> I do. I, In a show, you know, exclamation mark, Oklahoma! <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Um, uh, Lydia Coulson wrote this piece. It was directed by Jackie Martin and uh, Lydia Coulson, the writer, is in it with Kyle Scott. Just to list a bunch of names up front. Yeah, went nice. to the Butterfly Club, went downstairs, was there by myself. Uh, which was fine. <laughs> um, I took the chance to like read one of the books that they have in the set. Ooh. Not the set. Like, you know, like 
downstairs at the, at the Butterfly Club, there's a, the, like bookcases oh, yeah. next I, to where you're sitting. Books, aren't there? I've never thought to read them. Yeah, no, well, you shouldn't. You should be, <laughs> you, know, you know, thinking in your head, talking to the people that you are fortunate enough to go to the theatre with. But mm-hmm. me, they're alone. Solo! Solo! Woo. Yes, yes, like the tasty lemon beverage. <laughs> yes, and yeah, no, saw like a vampire novel and got reading for a second. Didn't oh. really colour my experience of the show, but I'm just <laughs> filling you in on what was I'll happening. I'll ask you about the vampire novel later. I think we can <laughs> it was, from memory, it was an Anne Rice. I think it was Anne Rice. Oh, Rice. Rice. Yes, Anne Rice was either like quoted towards the beginning, like on the cover or something, mm. or it was by Anne Rice. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I was into it. Yeah, but you know, cool. didn't have time to finish it because I was there to see a show <laughs> and it started on time. Well, you're going to have to keep buying, buying tickets until you get to the end of Ms. Rice. <laughs> That's the only way that I can think of to keep reading this book. <laughs> uh, oh. Yeah. So you burnt it. I burnt what? Burnt it. The, oh, f- the burn titular it. it. <laughs> I went to burn it. And this, this all sounds like I'm not ready to talk about this show. I'm prepared. <laughs> I walked in, sat down, read this vampire book. The audience was like quite full, which is always lovely to see. It had, and I don't know anything about these performers or this production company or anything, but the audience itself seemed to have the energy of like a dance school. Oh. And, which I can only characterize as being like, there was a lot of people in the audience with tremendous posture. They were doing a lot of that like balletic neck craning where like, you know, like looking behind yourself, being like, who else is here? What else is going on? What's <laughs> happening? Oh, an older mysterious person has arrived that we all seem to know. And then a whisper goes around. It's like, oh, <laughs> there's some sort of ecosystem here that I'm not a part of. Interesting. But was I've there had... any dancing in the show? There was no dancing in the show. Okay. Um, but yeah, but I was just yeah. That's just like another element that I want you to bear in mind okay. when going forward. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So then the show starts, and it's like a sweet little two-hander. And the premise of it is that the, is these two pals. It's a girl, a girl and a guy. And then why are you making that face? Oh no, I don't know. Okay. You're funny. <laughs> <laughs> a girl and a guy. They're going camping. The guy doesn't want to go camping. He doesn't like camping, but they're camping nonetheless. And then <laughs> what? And so what's sort of like necessary to know going forward, and the things that get explored are kind of tied to these facts mm-hmm. of like. The, the character played by Kyle Scott has like recently gotten out of an abusive relationship, like a physically and, amus- uh, physically and emotionally abusive relationship, mm-hmm. and is also dealing with an eating disorder, as he has been doing for quite some time. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, and then Lydia, the playwright slash other performer, is g- dealing with her anxiety and and also being in kind of like one of those like undefined, vague relationships with a guy that that it's all sort of like undefined and like she's into kissing him but there's, there's nothing super specific said mm, between yeah. the two of them that's totally like totally unrelatable no idea what that's I don't know I, I can't connect to that sort of thing <laughs> either I'm very good at like you know setting boundaries having explicit relationships of with course, people yeah. knowing when I'm on as dates <laughs> as are you yeah. yeah good look at us thriving yeah, healthily as adults is this a date Jake maybe we should just clarify is this a are date we... <laughs> oh I mean because I never know <laughs> okay so cool so they're yeah. both going camping together pals yeah and yes and so and Slightly they, precarious situations in their life. They're, yeah, they're both, yes. And, and something that was, like, quite impressive with the show, it's, like, it was constructed largely of, like, a series of, like, games and just, like, like ways to pass the time as opposed to, like, anything, strictly speaking, like, happening. Which is interesting because it goes against so much of what, you know, people are taught when they're taught things like playwriting and screenwriting is, like, the whole show don't tell thing, mm. the, the whole thing of like a story requires you to have particular beats that you hit and you need to hit like, there needs to be like a, like an instigating event. There needs to be a climax. There needs to be like a resolution. Mm. And you could a- absolutely argue that that kind of does exist in this piece, but the way that it's constructed and the way that like the things that we even spend our time watching these characters do is a lot of like 
uh, like memories or talking about the past or talking about their feelings or yeah doing these things where it's like they get out one of those like chatter boxes that like tell you the future oh yeah like one of those things they spend the whole show kind of like in pieces kind of like doing this game where they list ways of murdering people that <laughs> match up with the letters of the alphabet from A to Z <laughs> Like, that's the thing that carries us through as well. Uh-huh. Um, and, and it's those sorts of things. It's those things where you're sort of, like, bored and drunk with a friend you have. Mm-hmm. And, and that's so much of what the script is. Are we doing real time? It's It had definitely the energy of real time. But mm-hmm. there's, like, bits where they, like, go to sleep and wake up. And, like, a, like time passes in that way. Okay. But, yeah, it, it does have that type of thing where it's, like, it feels like it's almost, like, the grout between the tiles of life events. Oh. This almost seems like, yeah, one of those, like, backstage moments like, and, and, and yeah, putting them in a, like on a camping trip, of course, provides all that nifty stuff of like, they're isolated, they're away from other people. It's one of those like backstage things of like, okay, this isn't real life. This is the part where we talk about real life and hatch a game plan and deal with the rest of it. And then we go back into the world and continue mm. living again. Okay. And then, of course, heaped on top of that as well is the two of them kind of have this, like, we're friends, but we've had sex, and maybe oh, we're meant to be in no. love with each other. And, like, maybe... Again, so unrelatable. I, again, I, yeah, don't know. <laughs> I fall in love once every three years, and I handle it really well, and then they leave me tragically at mm-hmm. war, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of clean closure. Indeed. I married when I was 18, and have not had another partner since. <laughs> we're situation. very happy, and <laughs> I hope to have three children. Yeah. No, no. What must it be like to have a, a dirty, confusing, romantic <laughs> life? And, yeah. And, yeah, yeah. maybe one of them like is more into one than the other one is mm, okay. maybe some sort of sexcapade occurs despite the fact that they set the rule to not have sex with each other oh. on the camping trip so it does happen or we don't know if it happens I'll leave that up to you to imagine oh, okay. but wouldn't it be okay. interesting if two people go on a camping trip have a weird romantic thing and then they also <laughs> have to like set the explicit rule as they do to not have sex while on that trip true I don't know mm-hmm. but yeah mm-hmm. so that that's sort of the melting pot that we're dealing with it's yeah, a lot okay. of like people kind of like these two people who I would like like my take on their friendship being like maybe this isn't the friendship for you like it seems like (laughs) the type of quite quite and a credit to the writing quite like a recognizable thing of like I can see why you're drawn to each other I acknowledge that you are drawn to each other but Mm -hmm. it just seems like you're going to just keep inflicting damage upon each other until one of you makes the mature decision to leave oh yeah okay right Uh, because they are sort of deeply incompatible just as people incompatible in the yeah because of the reasons of just as I'm sure we've both experienced of Mm. like there's growing necessary and you are stifling each other's capacities to grow and you will just continue hurting each other until that growth or space occurs that sort of thing Mm, yeah 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 so it's that but it's like I always find it fun anytime like I'd say my favourite episode of Girls is the one where they go away to that summer house and they have to deal with a bunch of issues amongst the friendship group while also learning like Broadway choreography that was great wasn't it great I discovered Girls uh, this year would you believe oh my god (laughs) how come as I always do with everything uh, several decades later uh why? Why did I do? Because I someone gave me their their binge login. Oh nice! <laughs> and, what, and you saw Lena Dunham's face and thought. And we thought girls has been something that people have spoken about in the last decade, and yeah. maybe it'd be interesting to see what that's like. How far into it? I are like you? Adam Driver. We'll see. Oh right! But I watched the whole thing really quickly. Oh nice! Um, and had that experience of like, yeah, this is fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. I feel kind of disgusted and seen at the same time. Really? <laughs> um, and you know, it's it's. Very interesting, like there's stuff here that I haven't seen before on another show. What's an example of that? Uh, oh God. Or even like a example. vibe that you felt or like, what were these things that made you feel seen? Um, I guess how, how difficult life is presented as being for these people who are ostensibly quite comfortable white middle class <laughs> women. <laughs> 
it, like, it seems to really zero in on that experience, like the difficulties that you have uh, in the context of a fairly privileged life, which are, you know, difficult. The mental health problems, I think the, the sort of, uh, particularly the anxiety stuff was quite relatable for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess the, 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 the jagged edges of these characters mm. also I really enjoyed. The fact that they kind of are all a bit shit. Yeah. But that, and then, yeah, that episode fairly unique in its presentation of friendships you know mm. these friendships are not like lovey-dovey beautiful all the time there's a connection there but they also kind of hate each other yes uh, yeah and yeah and the, the question of like is it worth the effort it takes to tolerate how much mm. of this is awful mm. for the things that are debatably remarkable um yeah i don't know and then uh, that the maturing perspective at least i don't know of working out how worthy that compromise is as well what you need from a person in a relationship um that the whole like time sunk fallacy thing of like we've been friends for this long so we better keep doing it or we wasted all that time Mm. um yeah i don't know i mean yeah to to the last thing i guess i feel like saying about the girls episode (laughs) it's like the part of what made that episode so wonderful is like the way it felt so theatrical like it was like unity of time unity of space largely And yeah, yeah, and the way they just got, you know, the, the, the <laughs> characters got to showcase different and, things. Indeed. And just to touch upon girls again before we completely let it go. Yes. <laughs> I think that the, um, yeah, I was intrigued because I think I wanted to know whether it was, like, whether the derision le- level that it was, you know, worth it, I guess. Oh, sure. Because I was like, is this, yeah, I mean, it is, it is certainly dealing with something quite limited. And yes, they are complaining <laughs> white bitches. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, that's just another facet of some of experience. Do you know what I mean? Like, Absolutely. Yeah, yes. yeah. And because they can't present an experience that's more, that's different to that. Like, you know, I love a whole bunch of different puzzle pieces. I yeah. Think is, is what I'd say about it. Sometimes I'm afraid people are going to be like, you like girls? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, I like girls. I like other things too. That's all. We'll leave that there, Jake. <laughs> yeah. No, that's wonderful. No, and I think it's like such an interesting like cultural touchstone. Mm. Like when it came out too, like it provided so many people with this chance to kind of like accidentally reveal a lot of the misogyny that was inside of them. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, I don't know. And, and you can say whatever you want about Lena Dunham. Like I'd certainly say that she's a very brave person mm. and she did a lot of things that like the, it got to- like that show got talked about in ways that I hadn't really seen media get talked about at the time in terms of like its worthiness and like the stories it was trying to tell and it gave people like a chance to talk about like privilege and race and depictions of characters in the media yeah. and the relationships that women have between each other. And it's yeah, so interesting. Yeah, and seeing their kind of selfishness and their just like horrible <laughs> privilege, but also kind of seeing, you know, the, the, the stuff that is legitimately troubling <laughs> about yes. their lives. And that way it's so fascinating too, because mm. by all accounts, it seems as if, I guess not by all accounts, but it seems as if like Lena Dunham herself, I believe that she said that like she didn't know that the show was like, she didn't write the show intending for it to be a satire, but then so many people considered it to be satirical because of the way that she painted these characters in the first season. Oh. But she was totally oblivious to the fact that this wasn't a lot of people's lived experiences. And that in itself is so interesting that for is art interesting. To, she, like, to teach yeah. the artist something. Because I don't know a lot about Lena Dunham, honestly. I was kind of just experiencing the show as a show. Oh, sure. Um, but yeah, yeah. yeah, right. Not a deliberate satire. Yeah, Intriguing. No, no. Yeah, no, she's a, yeah, a fascinating media character who, yeah, has drawn the ire of just so many people. And mm. I think it's very telling the way that people talk about Lena Dunham's work and who she is and about her, you know, being a nepotism baby as, like, all of the cast is. It's like, Mm. even that is a very interesting contemporary conversation. Mm. Yeah. They are, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Because Zosha Mamet is David Mamet's daughter. (laughs) Yeah! And that just makes me excited. (laughs) Yeah, me too. So interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, anyway, to talk briefly about the performers of In Burnett, full stop. Mm, Burnett. Um, yeah, Lydia Coulson. Yeah, even just the dual role of being a writer and a performer in the work as well, Mm. I think is so interesting. And I think, 
part of what was really impressive about what she accomplished, even like to focus a bit on her performance element of her role, it was great to see. And this is probably a credit too to her chemistry with Kyle on stage. The two of them, a lot of it felt almost like improvisational. Like there was this very playful energy between the two of them, which I think the appeal of the show quite largely hinged on in the way of like, as I said, we're spending so much time with these characters doing like ostensibly not very much in terms of like, no one gets murdered. There's sure, not, yeah. there's, they're not going somewhere, they get somewhere and then something occurs. Like they're very much there. Like everything mm. that occurs... It, it, again, if you're going to like make, try to draw that diagram of a build, a climax, a turn, and an ending, it's all, like, every element of that trajectory is emotional. Mm, it's mm. all about the way that their relationship shifts and changes. Sure. and they find themselves in a different place towards the end. Of yeah, the yeah in, in, like, in strictly speaking, like, an internal one, mm. you know? And and if, you, if that's what your show is going to be, and you're going to have us in this one location, Aristotelianly, <laughs> then, uh, yeah, then that, that journey has to be in some way engaging. And I think a lot of what made it so engaging was the way that these two performers played with each other and played off each other. And, yeah, the comic timing of the two of them was really impressive. And it just, yeah, it felt, you could see it being like, with the script being as interesting as it was, you could absolutely also, with with many scripts, if they had been less charismatic and less engaging and less fun to watch, it could have been a difficult show to get through, mm. you know? Because if you don't care right, about the... Because of the simplicity of it. The simplicity of it, the subject matter, and it's like, if you don't care about these two people, and these two people, these characters and these performers come across as so lovely and so, like, sweet and innocent and young, but hopeful, but also, like, hopeless, like, there's just so much, like, very, very like, familiar upward-looking darkness inside of them that it's like that in itself is very relatable and engaging and then yeah if you had cast this show poorly and you had two like charmless curmudgeons that ah, were like yes. you two you I don't even I. know like maybe you don't even like build for happiness and I don't really care if you get there yeah, I gotcha. um, yeah, yeah I just yeah I, I imagine a version of this show where it's like two very dull people <laughs> like insisting that it's worth us watching we love watching. shows about dull people <laughs> oh my god but at least be so, like self-loathing and dull <laughs> but the idea of having to sit there and watch two very like I don't know, like uncharming, like even like self-aggrandizing, or I don't know, just like two like bad comedians or something yeah, insisting yeah. that we should sit there and watch them drink wine and play with a chatterbox. <laughs> I'd be like, I'm glad that you enjoyed making this show, <laughs> but you're really punishing the rest of us for trusting yeah. you. So Scott and Lydia really brought a lot uh, to it. Yeah, yeah, no, they they did, and in a way they felt very generous. Yeah, Kyle it Scott. Scott. It's Kyle Scott. Sorry, you said it was like, who's that? It's like <laughs> Kyle Scott. That is Kyle's surname. Yeah, uh, yeah. Very familiar name, by the way. Have you seen him in anything else, Kyle Scott? No, I was like sitting there watching him on stage. I was like, this guy seems so lovely, and I, mm. I was like, that's what reassured me that I did not know who he was because I was certain, I was certain that I would remember him if I'd encountered him before. Mm. Because yeah, yeah, there's two people on stage. Yeah, together, fantastic, and I yeah can't wait to see them separate doing some stuff as well. Because yeah, it was that thing of like. I keep finding myself saying this lately. Like, I feel like very recently I've started encountering all of these, like, up-and-coming, young, exciting, on-stage people that I just I can't it. wait to... Isn't it nice? I just... I, I haven't up until recently really... Ha- I mean, I suppose sort of subconsciously it's been happening, but I've been maybe more thinking about it that I... Just, like, seeing local stuff and mm. how people popping up in different local things I really enjoy it yeah oh my god yeah no when you just get like a bunch of money mm. and it's like buy like a theatre or something and then just like find these people and I don't know maybe we need to open a school maybe that's the next step for oh, us oh we need to distribute our knowledge <laughs> 
I'm not sure if that's what I was urgently clamoring for. I just need a huge platform where I can <laughs> fill people's brains with my brains. Little small me's everywhere. <laughs> but God, yeah. no, God, yeah. yeah, no, just these. Like a collective like, or something. A collective or something where it's like our own red stitch, where it's like we find these people that just like take our breaths away mm-hmm. and are just like, good, but now I want to choose what you do next. <laughs> <laughs> Is it a talent agency? Is that what it is? <laughs> That's what it is. We're like, uh, I see your career. I see where it needs to go. Yeah. <laughs> Just listen to Uncle Jake. Oh my God. Yeah. It's like the two of you. Oh my God. Love it. <laughs> I loved when you both went camping. <laughs> now let's see what happens when you, <laughs> I don't know. I don't Shopping know. center. <laughs> Gorge. <laughs> the places you two will go. <laughs> oh, Trust me. God. What is the show in the gorge? <laughs> know maybe they're sliding down the gorge the whole time oh my goodness oh it's one of those horror movies where it's like a like a slow burn like how are they going to get out of this one yeah has there ever been a movie where someone drops down a hole with someone else and they're both falling together for the whole film wait falling actively falling or like they slip now and then like actively falling the whole time like the hole is endless this sounds like a beckett play it does sound like a beckett play (laughs) I don't know. I didn't see that one with Lucy Durack where they climbed the mountain. Is that what um, happened in that? No idea. <laughs> Falling? God. Is that gravity? <laughs> I was thinking that too. Yeah, but she's alone for most of it because George Clooney is like, I can't stand you anymore. <laughs> Off into space I go. I wonder. I just think with falling, is there like a point at which you become numb to the fear you're experiencing? I think it would be, yeah. How long I think would you'd, I fall I think to the fall. Well, like the kind of fall that um, Gandalf falls down. Does not he fall into a volcano? Well. <laughs> is that not the Lord of the Rings? He falls past the Balrog. <laughs> What's the Balrog? He kills the Balrog. Is uh, that a creature? That's a creature that he kills. Is that anything uh, else you shall not pass at? That's, no. Ooh, ooh yes, it is. It yes, is? you're right. That's yes. who he's yelling at? That's who he's yelling at. Okay. He, he smote his ruin upon the mountainside. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> and... God. And then Gandalf like, falls into the volcano? Aren't they just falling for a really, really, really long time? Is that slow motion, though? <laughs> Is that why it's so long? No, I swear to you, Jake, there's a falling sequence. And they... A fall he, so he long. keeps falling. And they have a conversation. The fall is that long. Oh, there's no conversation because okay. the Balrog is not capable of that kind of gentle. Oh, the two of them are falling together. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. I hope they don't mend their ways. Like <laughs> they reconcile. I'm just wondering is if we just followed them falling uh-huh. in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the extra film that we will create together. Well, instead of desolating um, Smaug, I could have done that. You're playing Gandalf. Where? Wait, sorry, you're the. What are you? You're the monster. Uh, no, you're the monster. I'm the monster. Oh, well cast. I'm the monster. You're the wizard. Old wizened wizard. Yes. yes. And then. Um, and we're falling so long that we become friends. <laughs> I, I would want to see it executed. I don't see how it would work. <laughs> no. <laughs> but that's no. my small-mindedness. I'm not saying that it's a good idea. I'm just wondering if anyone's ever done it. And how can we know if no one has? Yeah, no, someone please write in. That's really interesting. And it's not one of those things where it's like, you're not taking a moment and then ballooning it out to like some of like a surrealist, imagine if they had all this time to discuss this. You're saying in real time, they are falling. And in the time that they are falling, they reconcile and become pals. Correct. I want to see it. Okay. I want to see it. And it has to be in real time because I want to see how they go from screaming in fear <laughs> to, I guess, exhausting themselves from the screaming to like, well, I guess we should talk then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. I, and I guess I just had one question that came up while watching this play and I wanted to throw it at you. Oh, okay. Was just the idea of like, when you think about the idea of like getting to have, because a lot of this play, it, there's a lot of kind of like barbarous, sort of like intimate questioning that happens. Um, between two people that know each other very well. 
um, and there's sort of that type of closeness, like like that girl's level of closeness, where it's like you've come to know what's wonderful about a, about a person, but also like a lot of their foibles and their like their classic mistakes and the mm. things that kind of suck about them and the things that make them hard to be friends with. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious about like outside of all of that, I'm not going to about to ask you what <laughs> your worst qualities are because you have none of them. Oh, and, sweet boy. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. No, I don't want to derail what you're saying. Oh, I'm sure. just going to say that my friend, uh, on her first date with her current partner, uh, they both asked each other what their worst quality was, which I thought was interesting. On their first um, date, they Like, asked what her. in their estimation was their worst quality. Right. Yeah. God. Yeah. If someone asked you that, you don't need to tell me what the answer is, <laughs> but do you have an answer? Oh, well, see, I struggled with the answer, maybe because I'm a little bit down on myself sometimes and struggled to be like, which one is the worst one? Yeah, you right. Know? Yeah. Um... Yes. So you're Which is maybe the worst quality. <laughs> the worst quality is that you have so many bad qualities that you well, can't pick somehow one. I'm, you know, I sort of tend to at times delve into a bit of self-flagellation um, that verges on, on being a bit, what's it, probably narcissistic is probably not the right word, but like a bit self-involved. Right. Where you kind of think that things are so bad with you that you kind of, um, you know, you know, most people just don't care. They're not actually like, who is this idiot? It's like, oh. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's self-involvement born of... of low self-esteem god sure mm. but elizabeth what's part of what is so devastating about that though it's like you've cobbled together all these things that you don't like about yourself and then you've ridded yourself of the right to even be sad about <laughs> thinking those things about yourself yeah there's probably something else better to pick um, I'm not <laughs> that's not my feedback <laughs> <laughs> well you well, did that wrong i've done the wrong thing <laughs> you're so right you're so right i'm such a dumb bitch <laughs> Yeah, I mean, do you have a worst quality that springs to mind? No, with the, the same as you. I was like, oh, but there's such a long list. Mm. Yeah, no, no. So if someone asked me that on a date, I'd pick one of them, mm-hmm. and then I don't know. No, I'd be really desperate to be honest on a first date. Yeah. So I think I would be I think like, it's pro- actually now that I come to think of it, it's probably yeah. something to do with with people pleasing. Yeah, yeah, I think. Okay. Yeah. And being that can be a bit destructive at times. I think. That makes sense. Mm. That even makes sense in the way of like, if you, if you, even for the sake of that conversation, you choose people pleasing, mm. and then it's almost as if everything else that you don't like about yourself kind of exists in that like long, long shadow in which like I have to people please, otherwise they're going to find out all these other terrible things about me. Yeah, you yeah. know. So that's almost maybe like a clever way of encapsulating <laughs> all of the shortcomings. You know. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So at least I'm. Yeah. But then you can almost spin that into positive. Like I want to people please. Yeah, so no one yeah, has and that's to be. true. It is maybe every negative quality has some. Kind kind of positive element to it. I think that's probably true. Maybe that's the essence of what yin and yang is. Maybe it is. You know? Yes, yes. But so, so is there someone, is this, the, is this where this was going? Someone in my life who, who I feel knows me that well? No, 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 no. no. But unless you're really in the mood to answer God, that no, question. No, no, no. No, well, no, I was thinking of like, when you think of having these like, either these like complicated conversations or having these conversations where you really get to know someone on a, like a deeper level or having the idea of like, you know, there's like conversations that we sort of exist in our minds of like, or even like things that stem from not having a type of closure that we really crave. Like the, when you think of specifically or not in terms of what the conversation is, when you think of getting to sit down with a person and like finally discuss a thing or talk about a thing that you'd love to talk about with a person, is there like a setting that you plonk that in? Oh my gosh. A car. A car? (laughs) Yes. How did you know that so fast? That's nice. (laughs) conversations I've ever had well no that's not true not every conversation but some of the more memorable conversations like that have taken place in cars a lot of significant moments have been in cars for me yeah yeah Yeah. for me in the in the in the passenger seat of course of course (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, yeah. Is yeah. that old? I don't know. It's no. a car. It's a tight little space together. Yeah, yeah. Where you're kind of half looking at the windscreen and then half looking at the other person. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, it's helpful to have a view. And they say that thing of like, if you're going to have a conversation like that, you want to be sitting that way with the person because it feels like you're on the same side. Oh, interesting. You know, as opposed to oppositions. <gasps> oh, yeah, that's okay. Thing, Maybe that's part of it. Yeah. yeah and I guess confront... that you don't have to be focused on the, that person the whole time with your eyeballs. Yeah. Like, that it is a kind of, of frees you to be able to speak more openly mm. oh my god yeah mm. if you don't have to think about well just an element of that like first off you don't have to think about how much eye contact you're doing mm. and then also you don't have to deal with the look on their face when you say things mm. is mm. something like that's why Jeffrey Dahmer didn't wear glasses during his trial so he wouldn't have to see the faces of the people that he hurt <sighs> yeah yeah well okay Jeffrey anyway, sorry no <laughs> <laughs> drag it to Jeffrey Dahmer as often as I can <laughs> Um, yeah, what about you? Where do you want to put this conversation? Um, beach! Oh my god, huh? imagine if I liked the beach. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'd say, uh, even, yeah, when, when thinking about the question myself, I was like, I, whenever I think about, like, little quiet moments with people, so often what springs up in my mind is that, like, that, like, very brief scene in a single man, that, like, Colin Firth movie that Tom Ford did. Yeah. And he's sitting with his, like, dead husband while they were still alive in a flashback. And they're sitting on that, like, beautiful, like, window seat, and they're reading books like they're each reading a book and oh. they're sort of like they're facing each other and they're sort of like legs are touching and they're like sitting there like that and I just always thought that that's such a beautiful depiction of like love and intimacy and like silence um, but that's not an answer to your question um, a little but, book area a little book embrasure a little yeah 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 but also I that is the sort of thing where it's like oh I can see how that's like an idealised idea of stable romance <laughs> that I don't necessarily ever see myself living that, I, that doesn't look like my life mm-hmm. even in like a fantasy mm-hmm. version of my life I don't think but you know time will tell um, but yeah, I don't know. I suppose I de- I've definitely had like one of my favorite conversations ever, which was like a very hard and beautiful and like necessary, but also like unexpected kind of, you know, I don't know, one of those conversations where it's like, oh, we actually got to talk about this. And this is where we're at right now with a person with whom I have like a very like long, complicated, romantic, but so many other things relationship with. Mm. And there was just like one beautiful like dawn morning where we were just like sitting on like a couch on his front veranda and he was like smoking this cigarette that he'd saved. And and yeah, we were just like talking and sitting there and like, you know, his head was on my shoulder and it was like, oh. So I think that is certainly like a version of it that I'll always be grateful for that I did not expect to bring up with you today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I suppose that's a version. So I guess... I guess it's interesting the way that, like, I don't know, our two ideas kind of mirror each other in the way of, like, sitting beside each other, looking out at some possibly irrelevant view. <laughs> um, but, yeah, being side by side with somebody, mm. looking at everything around us, mm. or at least the stuff in front of us. Yeah. And maybe yeah. there's something lazily symbolic in there. <laughs> yeah, company. I'm sure there must be. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Burn it, babe. Burn it, babe. <laughs> the sequel, where a pig <laughs> is the protagonist. Burn it, babe. Pig in the country. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's shows talked about. That's shows that we did. I still have, because I, did you get the monkeypox vaccine? I did not. No. Should I have? No, well, no, you also have like a checkered pass with how vaccines affect your body. Okay, thank don't you. Don't you? Which, are you happy with me saying that? Oh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> sure, that definitely didn't, it doesn't cope very well with the <laughs> vaccine situation, but you know, I'm not going to rule it out in the future. It could happen. What could, could happen? As in, I could get another one. Oh, sure. <laughs> God, I'm so grateful. I don't know if you're having this experience. I'm very grateful for, like, witnessing people on, at this point, just Instagram. Because I'm not on, a lot of, like, a lot of social media platforms. Mm-hmm. I'm grateful for the people that are being very vocal and, like, I don't know, intellectual about the discourse surrounding the very real circumstances surrounding, like, people dealing with the vaccine badly. Mm-hmm. And all mm-hmm. these things that people's... That's like, cool that you're experiencing that. I haven't seen that much of that on, on the old... 
Instagram? I haven't seen much, but mm. I'm really glad, like, grateful for it in the way of like, it's people that I know to be intelligent, like balanced people. So there's no chance of me accidentally being like, yeah, being oh, like, oh, you're questioning a vaccine. Nazis, you're yeah. crazy. <laughs> it's like, oh no, you, I know, I, I have conversations with you and you're like a, an intelligent person. Yeah. So it's like to be able to couch what they say in that being like, okay, I'm glad that you're so excited by these people giving voice to these people that have had really adverse health reactions to the vaccines. Yeah. Yeah. And look on like, I think, I think cause uh, it's very easy to go, well, anti-vaxxer or whatever. Mm. But like I think you know every like in every medication is different. Every vaccine is different. Like you mm. can't kind of just because your body had an adverse effect to one, kind of be like, you know, like I think it's naturally to be natural to be skeptical. Um, what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that um, you know just because you feel like one vaccine wasn't good or wasn't safe, it doesn't mean that they all are. But I think it's also important to be like, yeah, no, this affected my body really badly, mm. um, and yeah. The circumstances around that are complicated, and capitalism is complicated, <laughs> and <laughs> the medical industry is complicated. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah, because obviously we've both first-hand experience of vaccines like affecting people in strange ways. Indeed. So yeah. I didn't expect this conversation I to turn into. I'm so surprised. Are <laughs> we going to talk about my murder mystery hens night? But no. <laughs> Let's definitely also talk about that. Let's not close this thing on vaccine conversation. But I think yeah, what you're saying about the complicatedness mm. of the entire thing that I, I'm just excited any time that that complicatedness actually gets dealt yeah, into. Yeah, me too. Me too. I like yeah. I like the complex uh, avenues. Yeah. Because yeah. it, it is um, naughty. It's it is naughty. naughty. It's super naughty. And yeah, and yeah, and there's a way to talk about you know, vaccines being complicated, as you're saying, mm, yeah. <laughs> without being anti-vax, because yeah. vaccines are really important mm-hmm. and help us. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, but every human body is a different human body. Indeed, indeed. And if you're going to, everyone's going to get the same thing, the bodies are going to re- respond differently. Yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we can't all even drink milk and eat bread. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wise, wise words. Thank you. <laughs> um, you were at, what was, oh, so God. explain <laughs> this hen's night. Okay, I have a job that I do sometimes where I run murder mysteries, murder <laughs> mystery parties, and I had one on the weekend and we went to Geelong and we ran a hen's night murder mystery <laughs> in an Airbnb that was absolutely stunning. Oh, what is the tone of that? Is it, it, it because a hen's night isn't inherently full of penises, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Like, is a hence night murder mystery different to a regular murder mystery that you would run? Only that the script is different, because the the idea in the in this particular script is that the he, the, the, the groom has been kidnapped uh, just before the wedding. Okay. So the actual the, groom? Like, it's his name that gets used? It is his name that gets used. Okay. It's obviously all pretend. You don't we, kidnap We don't the actually group. kidnap the groom. <laughs> That'd be a great ending, though. You crack open the boot in the sunken car. <laughs> That's like you pick the hen's night script if you want to have a hen's night and do that one. Okay. Um, yeah, and that one is not technically a murder. It's a kidnapping, uh-huh. potential murder, we say. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah. So that was really fun. Yeah. Uh, and I got to play three different characters because I was kind of like the helper rather than the detective. Okay. When you're the detective, you just do everything and you get a lot more money. Um, <laughs> you're the helper, you're oh, wait, so it's not up to the hen's party attendees to be the detectives? No, no. Okay. It's, um, the detective comes in and kind of runs the investigation and everybody's a suspect. Um, and did the... Were their penises? <laughs> Don't assume that's my question, <laughs> but of course let me know. <laughs> uh, there were no penises present. I mean, there was one because my co-host was a, a male oh, yeah. with the penis. Yeah. Um, and um, 
what else happened? But, the, <laughs> but that's the extent to which that was like a sexual ilk to this no, experience. No, that was well, okay, the, the script itself definitely delves into some sexual areas, but it's all kind of silly, kind of almost like 1970s humour. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I yeah, felt like you were you at know, Don's party. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, yeah, it's fine. There's, I almost gave my week, like, a rating out of 69, because I was like, <laughs> that feels like, I've just heard people say that number a lot in the last few days. <laughs> it's a very 69ing heavy plot that the detective, <laughs> detective was having to deal with. Well, it's all innuendo and whatnot. Um, yes, but it was it was fun. I enjoyed myself. Geelong is always interesting to head down there. Yeah. And see how pretty the houses are. Yeah, oh my god, that's true. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it is a bit of a Williamstown that way. It is. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, also went to Williamstown. <laughs> Should we talk about that for another 30 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> Who was William? How did he get a town? <laughs> I would love to know that. <laughs> oh my god, speaking mm. of Elizabeth Town, really great movie. Ooh, really great soundtrack. Also true. Mm. Yes. Mm. And one of those like rare like diegetic soundtracks largely mm. as well. Because yeah. Orlando Bloom goes on that road trip. Oh, the driving at the end. The best part of the film. Oh, my God. Oh. You think that's the best part of the film? I love the road trip, yeah. Oh. I mean, again, I've only seen this once and it was a long time ago. Sure. <laughs> but I bought the soundtrack from that. You so, bought the soundtrack? Yeah, well, I, I think maybe I... No, I never buy things. <laughs> I rented it from the library and uh, <laughs> then I recorded it onto a cassette tape again. This, that was my life at the time. <laughs> uh, that's incredible. But the, the Elton John song that features heavily is one that I'd never heard before that, seeing that film. Yeah. It's really lovely. Yeah. My Father's Gun, I think it's called. Oh, mm. what a beautiful note to close on. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks for having me back, Jay. Oh, my God. Anytime. Thank you so much for being here. It's always so lovely to talk to you. And can't wait to see you in The Crucible. Ooh. I feel like I will definitely talk to you before you're in it. <laughs> well, hope so. Yeah, for sure. Oh, my God. Yeah, time speak- is really <laughs> speeding up there. <laughs> God. Um, yeah, as always, we may already disagree with everything we just said, mm-hmm. and friends don't let friends become theatre critics. Don't you dare. Don't you goddamn even think about it. <laughs>